A lot to say, and I think it's going to be valid. I, I noticed that my I've got a little over 30 minutes, um, and uh, I got a feeling I'm going to go over a little bit. Uh, is is everybody going to be uh, okay with that if I go over just a little bit? Uh, all right, I appreciate your flexibility in that. And by the way, did our worship team just do wonderful this morning? God bless our worship team. Amen. Just. Uh, uh, I got a little boomy up here, so if you can maybe take me out of the monitors a little or something, that'll help. Uh, I want to talk to you today about developing a righteous response. Everyone say a righteous response. You know, this, and I really believe what I'm going to tell, tell you today will not only help you in your spiritual walk, but in really every area of your life, because most people by nature are reactionaries. How many, how many if the truth were known, you're a reactionary? You know, somebody says something to you and you blow up and all of a sudden you, they get a reaction out of you, right? And so God does not want us to be reactionaries in life. He wants us to respond and learn how to develop a righteous response, okay? And so Romans chapter 7 and 8, we're going to look at a lot of this, but I want to show you beginning in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And, and, and uh, you need to follow along because I've got a, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, but I really believe today, if you'll, if you'll apply what you hear today, you'll be able to develop a righteous response in life and you'll become a responder, a righteous responder to the circumstances of life rather than a reactionary. In this politically heated season, there's a lot of people reaction, reacting to circumstances and situations. We need to respond righteously. So here we find Paul, the apostle, who is responding righteously to some things in his life and some circumstances that he's going through. And he says this in verse 31. Are you there? If you're there, say, I'm there, pastor. <coughs> and he says this, what then shall we say to these things? Everyone say these things. We're going to talk about these things in a minute. In other words, the, what he was talking about before he got to this righteous response, he was talking about some things. We're going to look back in a few minutes about two different groups of things that he was addressing and that he's talking about. And he goes on to say, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That sounds like a righteous response, doesn't it? And then he goes on to say, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not freely give us all things? He's righteously responding. Who shall be, bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who always makes intercession for us. Some great responses to these things. Everyone say these things. We'll look at them in a moment. And then he goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Or as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now watch verse 37. Yet in all what? These things. Okay, now there's another group of things. And so I'll go back and show you the first things that he's talking about, his righteous response to some things. But then all of a sudden, then he talks about peril and famine and nakedness. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors 
through him who loved us. What a great response. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Father, thank you for the reading of your word and the ministry of your word today. May it empower us, Lord, and equip us to develop a righteous response in life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said one more big amen. Amen. So we see some things about what Paul is saying here. He, he says, what shall we say to these things? Now, we're going to look back in Romans 7 and 8, and I'm going to show you a couple of things that he's referring to when he said, what shall we say to these things? In other words, how are we going to respond to what I just told you? And he developed, as I read, a righteous response to these things. Uh, and then we just defi- we saw another group of things in verse uh, 37 uh, that was some not so good things. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, let me kind of follow with me. How many of you know, if you learn how to respond to the right things, it'll help you respond rightly to the wrong things. Are you with me? If you'll get some things under your belt spiritually that are right and good, it'll help you be able to respond righteously to the troubled uh, places of life. So there's two categories here. These things, the first one was his battles. Uh, He's got some battles uh, in his life that that are going on. How many of you got a few battles in your life? In fact, Romans 7, and though I I don't have time to go here, I'm going to read it really fast, okay? Now you follow this because this is where... Paul is, we could maybe think that in, if he's just not really going to lean towards understanding Christ's word for his life, that he could become schizophrenic, okay? So I'm going to read it fast for effect, plus to get us through it. And verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. Verse 15, chapter 7, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. But what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that it is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For it will, for to will is present within me, but how to perform it, what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. But if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who who do it, but sin that dwells in me. How many of you know he sounded a little schizophrenic? I find that a law that evil, I find that a law that evil is present within me. Oh my goodness. One who will, one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. And then he, oh, then he snaps back into the a righteous response. But I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He, he understood, man, there's a battle going on. And these are the things that he's having to respond rightly to in order to be able to find victory over. Are you with me? Say amen. And learning to develop a righteous response. And of course, chapter eight, verse 35, when he talked about tribulation and distress and persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, those are some more of the things that he was battling. Anybody ever been in any kind of battle in life? 
Well, God wants to, us to learn how to de- position ourselves and develop a righteous response in the heat of the battle. If you're always reacting to the flesh and reacting to the devil and reacting to the problems of life, you will never make it through those problems. Are you with me? Say amen. The other group of these things were not only his, were not his battles, but his benefits. Understanding the benefit and responding to the benefit and embracing the benefits that I'm about to show you in Romans 8 will help you respond righteously to the battles of life. Now follow that premise because this is where we're at today. Learning to respond rightly and embrace and establish yourself on the benefits that I'm about to share with you will empower you and equip you and will enable you to develop a righteous response as Paul did that we're going to look at again in just a few moments to the battles that he was facing. So with that in mind, let me just show you a couple of thoughts that I found in Romans chapter eight that I would call them biggies about uh, the benefits of who we are uh, uh, as God's people. And just let me quote Psalm 103. What did David say? He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he begins to list the benefits. Did you know there are benefits in being a believer? I got three people. And did you know there are benefits in being a believer? There really are. And Paul embraced them in his life. And and here's number one, the first benefit that I see in Romans chapter eight and really Romans seven as well. It's, It's the benefit of knowing who we are. Knowing who we are. That is our established identity. You see, as a believer, you have an established identity. Now, let me stop and say, before I get too far in this, a reason a lot of people do not find victory in Christ is that they don't know who they are. And as a result, they're always getting beat up by themselves and beat up by the devil. So Paul begins to reveal to us who we are and who he is and how that understanding and that embracing of who we are and that, that knowledge of who we are. And, and let me just give, give you four things, four of these things that he was talking about. The first one is in Romans chapter eight, verse one, we are in Christ. That is our identity. In fact, it says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, that is our identity. We've talked about that much. When you understand who you are in Christ. In fact, what does 2 Corinthians 5, 17 say? If there's anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's who we are. Amen. Everyone say we're in Christ. In fact, we know, as I, this is one of my repeated phrases, every time I see this phrase, I have to say it, the little word N-I-N is huge word because it means in a fixed position. You see, when you get fixed in Christ, you see, if you get fixed in Christ, you'll get fixed. Amen? Did you catch it? If you'll get it, if you'll begin to realize and embrace, who am I? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I'm in him. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Somebody say amen. Who are we? Well, Paul said, hey, this is what you want to embrace. If you want to be able to develop a righteous response to the perils and the sword and the trouble and the battles of the flesh, you got to get a grip on. You see, look in verse one of chapter eight. What's he responding to? What's he, when he said there, there is therefore now no 
condemnation. He's responding to his battle with his inner man, with the flesh of his life. He said, thanks be to God who's going to give me the victory. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. The second thing we need to embrace about who we are that Paul let us know about, we're not only in Christ, but we're in the Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit in our life. Look in verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but what? In the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. In other words, if, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. Everybody that belongs to Jesus has the Holy Spirit in their life. And they can begin to appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And we could read more and more about that, the, the, even in this chapter, the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And how that influence of the Holy Spirit empowers us and, and, and equips us to walk in who we are in Christ. We are in in Christ. Who are we? We are in Christ. We are in the spirit. And number three, we're sons and daughters and heirs of God. Look what he says in, uh, up in, down in verse 14. I love this. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption by where we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. All the children of God say amen. And then he says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. How many of you know being an heir of God, there's great benefit? And he's letting us know, hey, hey, if you want to be able to respond righteously to the battle you're facing on your inner man, as well as those external battles of trouble and trauma in life, you got to embrace the benefit of who you are in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm his child. I've got his Holy Spirit living in me. I'm a, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. It's the understanding of who we are. You see, when you understand who you are, it'll change the way you live life. And how you'll stop. How many of you know when you really get this, you'll stop reacting to things and start responding based upon who you are. That's how we need to respond based upon, oh, wait, I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm dead. My life is hid with Christ in God. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Come on now. I'm in the Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. And I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's here to help me and guide me and lead me and direct me and protect me, comfort me, empower me, equip me. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a joy there with Jesus Christ. That's who I am. God bless you, flesh. Or trouble or trauma in life. What a righteous response. Number two, he, he let us know not only who we are, but another one of these things is he let us know uh, what we, and, and really, when you understand who you are, it'll help you understand and have a revelation of what we know. You know, what we know is a, is a when you understand who you are, it'll develop a belief system. That is our established belief. You see the problem with a lot of people, their faith is not established. They are not fixed in Christ. And the reason for that is they don't know who they are. 
You see, once you understand who you are, it will empower you in your established belief system, what you believe. And real quickly, Paul gave three things that I'll just show you what we ought to believe about ourselves that ought to be established. And the first one has to do with our freedom. Everyone say our freedom. Look in verse one and two again, really verse two, it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Somebody say, amen. Once you know that, it'll change the way you react. You'll stop reacting to sin uh, and, and you'll start responding to the temptations of this life based upon what you know. Wait a minute, I'm dead. I said, wait a minute, I'm dead. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I've been set free from the law of sin. Somebody say amen. I know that based upon who I am in Christ and what he has done for me. I know he set me free from the law of sin and death. The second thing we ought to embrace and believe in, not only about our future, our freedom, but our future. And really look at Romans eight eighteen. Let me show you this. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, there's some of those things. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, there's more I could read there, but for the sake of time, let me just say, you know what he's saying? Listen, this is what you need to know about who you are and, 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 and your life. It will be worth it all. Somebody say it'll be worth it all. All the trouble, all the trauma, all the heartache, all the pain, all the temptation, all the issues. Come on now. It's, it's not going to be worthy to be compared with the glory that will be one day revealed in and through us. Come on now. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. This world is not my own. I'm just passing through. And if I could sing the hymn, it will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So I'm bravely run the race until we see Christ. In fact, what does Romans 8, 28 say? He say, it says this, and we know. Somebody say, and we know. You see, until you know who you are, you'll never be able to embrace this belief system that I'm talking about, about the fact that we're free from the law of sin and death, that we're on our way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas, and it will be worth it all. You'll never be able to embrace Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called in Christ Jesus. Now those things I know, and it'll help me and it'll help us Develop a righteous response to the traumas of life. When the nine of leavens of life come our way, we've got to have a righteous response. Rather than a reaction, our freedom, our future, our, and then our focus in life. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called. How many of you know we all have the call of God on our life? The focus of our life to fulfill his kingdom purpose in our life. And once we understand that, it will help us and empower us to develop a righteous response to the traumas of life, to the 9-11s of life, to the heartaches of life, to the temptations of life. When we began to know some things, I am free from the law of sin and death. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. I know that all things are going to work together for my... Did you know it's all going to turn up good for me? 
I don't know about you because I don't know where your belief system is necessarily, but I know where I'm at. I know it's all going to turn up good for me. Turn, it, turn around to your neighbor and say, do you believe that? I know some of you don't necessarily believe that. You're, you know why you're here? Because you've been traumatized. There's two reasons people come to church. The first one is they just love Jesus and want to come be a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. The second one is they got trauma. Most people come to church when they have trauma. Hey, that's a good place to come. Amen. And I know some of you have been traumatized. Listen, understand something. Once you begin to understand who you are in Christ and begin to walk in it, Begin to apply, hey, I'm in Christ. I'm in the Spirit. I'm a son and daughter of God. I'm going to follow him. I'm, I'm going to believe him. I'm going to trust him. Hey, I know some things because I know who I am in him, that I'm set free from the law of sin and death. I've got a future and a hope. Glory to God. And my focus is not my own. He's given me a calling to fulfill his kingdom purpose in my life. And that, my friend, when you begin to walk in these two things, what did he say? What shall we say? to these things. In other words, I have developed a righteous response to my battle with the flesh, to the battle with the traumas of life based upon who I am and what I know. I want to say it again just for emphasis. I have developed a, what shall we say to these things? These things that have been hassling me, I've learned some things to help me deal with those things. I've learned who I am in Christ, and I know some things based upon who I am in Christ that has empowered me to righteously respond to the things that I've been battling with. I want you to see them. Our righteous response. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39, he develops a righteous response. He says, what shall we say to these things? Let me just pause and ask you. How are you responding or reacting to the traumas of your life? How are you responding or reacting to the temptations of life, to the battles. Paul gives us a wonderful response. He gives us a response that produces within us a position and a, and a, and a, and a firm foundation of faith on which we live our life. And the way he does it is with some rhetorical questions. You may know more about rhetorical questions than I do, but let me just give you a little definition of a rhetorical question. It's a question asked for the purpose of producing an effect or, or, to, make, uh, or to make an assertion, which is a, it's really an obvious answer. It's a, it's a question designed to produce a positive impact in your life. Rhetorical question. What shall we say to these things? And then he begins to give some rhetorical questions. And I'm going to show you some things. And these rhetorical questions that he asks, they come about for the purpose uh, of a, a real positive impact and a declaration over our life. And Paul the Apostle makes some great declarations. These rhetorical questions establish us in God's consummate victory and purpose for our life. 
The word consummate, I'm going to use it today, so let me give you a definition for it. Consummate means to bring to a state of completion or perfection. In other words, Paul makes some declarations, some righteous responses that establish them completely and truly and perfectly in the middle of God's plan for his life. Are you with me? Let me give you six. I would write them down. The first one is, he makes a declaration, a righteous response to the battles of life with a declaration of number one, consummate authority. Perfect, complete, absolute authority. Verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? Here comes the rhetorical question. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know what that is? That's a declaration of God's consummate, ultimate authority in his life. If God's for me, who can even stand against that? Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. Are you with me? That's a righteous response to the traumas of life, to the temptations of life. Wait, I'm under the authority of God Almighty. And if God is for me, who can be against me? You know what the obvious answer is that? Nothing can stand against me because I'm submitted to the authority of God Almighty in my life. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28 as he got right up to the Great Commission? He said, all authority is given me in heaven and earth. And you and I need to understand who we are as children of God. We are children of the Most High. We are children and heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ who have all authority. And by the way, they've embraced us and given us their authority. We have the authority. It's a declaration of consummate authority. Number two, Paul responds to the 9-11s of his life, not only with a declaration of consummate authority, but he responds with a declaration of consummate love. Perfect or total or complete or absolute love. Look what he says in the next verse. He says this, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's a declaration of God's absolute, consummate, complete perfect love towards us. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a declaration of God's love. Hey, he didn't spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. It's a declaration of the love of God. Understand something. When you begin to realize who you are in Christ and you begin to, uh, and it determines, hey, now what I believe about who, who, who I am in Christ, it will cause the reality of God's word to be made manifest in your life and you'll be able to stand against the traumas of life and the temptations of life with a declaration of consummate authority. I belong to him. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And oh, by the way, he loves me with an everlasting undying love. Everybody say he loves me. It's a declaration of the love of God. God's consummate authority and God's consummate love. And the third way he responds to the 9-11s of his life, to the perils, the sword, the nakedness, the distress, and, and, the, and the trauma of, of this war raging in his members. He responds with a declaration of consummate provision. 
I love this. Here's another rhetorical question. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Then the last part, he said, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He's making a rhetorical statement to create a positive reaction and not a reaction, but a response in us. He loves me so much. He died for me on Calvary's cross. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And oh, guess what? How shall he, that is God with Jesus, not freely give me all things? What a declaration. What a response in the middle of your lack. Listen. When the red numbers are showing up more than the black number, you trust him. And as as Josh said, you believe him and obey him. Because you know who you are in him and who he is to you. He's my provider. One of his Hebrew names is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides. Somebody say amen. Listen, you began to declare that. Why? Because you know who you are and you know who he is. And you have a belief system that says, I'm free. I'm delivered from sin. I've got a future and I hope I know it's all going to turn up for me, for my good. For I know all things work together for good to those who love God and according uh, uh, with all their heart and, 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 and live according to his purpose. Hey, it's all going to turn up. God's going to take good care of me. He is my provider. I love what Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1. He said his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Somebody say all things. He's my consummate provider. Ephesians 1, 3 says he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Paul said to the Philippians, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I just learned something this election season that the average American family is making $4,300 less than they did last uh, four years ago. And that get with gas prices up and food prices up, there's about an eight or unless you've got a big raise uh, to compensate, uh, there's about an $8,000 difference in most people's pocketbooks. Have, have you ever felt that? Okay, you know, milk, four bucks, a gallon, a gas, four, oh gosh, what are we going to, you know, let me just tell you, he's our consummate provider. He's more than enough. He blesses us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He gives seed to the sower. What shall we say to these things? If you're going to talk to somebody or something, Say the right thing. Jesus is my authority. I'm submitted to the authority of God in my life. He loved me so much he sent his son. God loved me so much he sent his son to die for me. He loves me with everlasting love. And he's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. What shall we say to these things? He's going to freely give me all things. He's going to give me everything I need and more. Number four. Paul responds to the 9-11s of his life and to the battles of his life 
Not only with a consummate provision, with a declaration of consummate provision, but a declaration of consummate justification. Everyone say justification. I love this word. Come on now, justification. Look what verse 33 says. Follow with me. Stay with me. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Question mark. Another rhetorical question. Uh, It is God who justifies. Everyone say it is God who justifies. The word justification, a good definition. I am now because of who he is and what he's done for me and my faith in him. I am now justified. I am just as if I'd never sinned. I'm justified. Therefore, I can go back to Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Why? Because they've been justified. Somebody say amen. I mean, it's just as if I'd never sinned. And when you embrace that, it'll change your life. I'm justified. I'm in the process of being sanctified, but glory to God, I I have been immediately justified when I put my trust and faith in him. And he he declared over me, it is God who just, you can't, hey, that's why there's no condemnation. Somebody say no condemnation. Hey, if you're walking around with with condemned by the devil and condemned by your past all your life, you have yet to realize who you are in Christ and what he's done for you. Because I have been justified. That's why he came in the first place. Could I get a better amen, please? He came to bring us all back into right relationship with Christ. It's not by works which I've done, but according to his mercy that he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's his work that happened on Calvary's cross. He paid a great price and I was there on Calvary's cross. Romans 6 said, I was buried with him and I'm raised to walk in newness of life. I've been justified. Amen. All those have been justified say amen. He made a declaration of his justification. When the condemnation of this world comes upon you, you got to declare that you've been justified. I stand before God just as if if I'd never sinned. That's a good response. Some people respond, oh, you're right. Oh, devil, you're right. I, I am pretty much a no good. Oh, you're right. My mama told me I'd never be worth a dime. Oh, you're right. What they say about me. I've been justified. He responded with a righteous declaration of his justification. And then number five, uh, Paul responded to the 9-11s of his life and to the traumas of his life and to the temptations of the life with a declaration of consummate intercession. Look in verse 34. He says this, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Wait a minute, devil. Wait a minute, flesh. Wait a minute, peril and sword. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. And I've come to realize God answers his prayers. It's going to all turn out okay. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all going to turn out okay. It's going to turn out good. Hey, we've got the great intercessor. In fact, Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 7 says this. He ever lives to make intercession for us interceding before God in our behalf. 
What a revelation for us to embrace today. And finally, Paul responds to the traumas of his life and the temptations of his life and to the, to the schizophrenia of his moment with a declaration of consummate, ultimate, complete, and perfect connection with God. And he says this, he ends strong. I love it. He ends with another rhetorical question. Verse 35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? Verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither depth, pardon me, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. He's hitting all this. He's hitting every, every aspect. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a declaration of God's consummate connection. You know what Jesus said? I'll never leave you or forsake you. What shall we say to these things? Let me ask you this today. Is this, are there some things that you're dealing with here today? If so, lift your hand. If you're, not, if, if you're not dealing with anything, come pray for me. Because I got a list. But today, all of us deal with things. How are we going to, what are we going to say? Some of you have been responding or reacting, pardon me, wrong term. You've been reacting in fear. Oh, what am I going to do? I got more months than I got money. Oh, my family's in trouble. Oh, what am I going to do? React. He said this to me, bless God, I'm going to react. It's time we begin to respond righteously. The only way we can respond righteously is if we begin to realize about that first set of things or that second set of things, and that is who we are. I'm embracing my sonship. I'm in Christ. I got the Holy Spirit. I'm an heir of God. And my understanding of who I am in Him has empowered what I believe about who I am and who He is. I'm free. Hallelujah. I have a future. And I have a focus that is doing his will for my life. Therefore, I respond. I'm not reacting anymore. I'm responding to my circumstances, to the 9-11s of my moment, to the traumas of my day, to the troubles of my day, to the trials, the temptations of my day with a righteous response 
of his perfect consummate ultimate authority over my life. His perfect love in me that, by the way, casts out all fear. I'm making a declaration of his supernatural provision to give me all things, everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness. I'm making a declaration that by his grace I'm saved and he has declared me justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. And I make a declaration to this world, to the traumas of my moment, that if nobody else cared to lift a finger in prayer over my life, My Savior's praying for me today. And I have a feeling God's going to answer his prayer. And I also declare that none of these things are going to ever separate me from the love of God. Nothing. That's how I'm responding. How about you today? What are you saying to these things? Let's stand together. We're about done today, but I'm telling you today, listen carefully. It's just a few moments past noon. Listen carefully. It is our established identity. That is who we are. And our established belief in what we know based upon who we are and who he is. That empowers us to respond righteously to these things that we deal with day in and day out. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. If you're here today and you're in a battle, the war is waging. You feel a little like Paul felt, a little schizophrenic at moments, wondering, I want to do it. I can't do it. I don't know what's going on. I think I can. I hope I can. I'm not sure if I can. Maybe you're in the middle of a trauma moment in your life with family, marriage, finances. Wherever you are today, you have an opportunity to embrace who you are in Him and establish yourself in your identity in Christ and establish yourself in who you are and then establish yourself in what you believe based upon who He is and who you are in Him. You can begin to believe you're free. You can begin to believe you have a future. You can begin to believe that God has a focus and a plan for your life. And it'll empower you to respond righteously. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There's somebody here today that is in the middle of a a fog of confusion. It's like a fog in your life. The battle is raging and you can't even see your enemy to react or respond. You're just in a fog. Today, God's speaking, oh, thus saith the Lord in your life to turn things around in your behalf. There's somebody here today, you're having a, in fact, uh, the theme of this morning was you just got to choose to trust him. You're having a hard time embracing who you are and trusting him. And you're just not sure if everything's going to turn up right for you. I want to pray for you today. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, all I'm going to ask today is the battle raging in your life. If that's so, lift your hand wherever you are. Pastor, the battle's raging. Just lift your hand and keep it up. Father, today you see these hands. And Lord, sometimes the battle rages in our life. Lord, we can react in fear and doubt or we can respond in faith in a righteous posture in our life. For these whose hands are raised, Lord, today I declare over them the word of the Lord will be made real in their life today and you would begin to develop within them, Lord, a righteous response to the traumas of their moment. Do it today in Jesus' name. Lord, help them begin to turn the tide by developing a righteous response to the traumas of their moment based upon their understanding of who they are and, and, and what they believe based upon who they are and who he is. God, I pray today you would turn it around and they would begin to partner with you. And Lord, these battles, Lord, that have caused us to be schizophrenic in our thinking and here and there and everywhere, Lord, let the clarity of God begin to be realized. And Father, we just pray by the Holy Spirit You would begin to blow away the fog of their brain, Lord, and begin to bring clarity and revelation in their life. And Lord, the battle that they're facing, Lord, would begin to, uh, they would begin to experience victory based upon a newfound righteous response. In Jesus' name. I want everyone to lift your hands. If you feel okay about that, just lift your hands and say, so be it in my life today. So be it in my life today. So be it in my life today. Lord, develop, let's pray this prayer together. Lord, develop within me a newfound righteous response to the 9-11s of my life, to the traumas of my moment, to the troubles of my day, to the temptations of my soul. In Jesus' name. Now reach over and put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. You may be a stranger, but that's okay. And just say, so be it in my brother and sister's life right now. So be it in the name of Jesus. We stand together in a righteous response. And we thank you for all you have done for us and all you're doing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, God bless you. Let me just tell you today, if you'll take what I just shared with you and it becomes a lifestyle in you, you'll begin to see your victory quotient go way up. How many of you could use some victory quotient increase in your life? And you'll be able to say, and and, and I'm not quite sure what this is, but it's good. I'm not just a survivor. I'm not just a thriver. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm not quite sure what this is, but it's good. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not just victorious. I'm somewhere beyond that. 
that just blows my mind because most of us, we're happy with surviving. <gasps> I got to <gasps> breathe another breath there. <gasps> oh, oh, no, uh, no bill, bill collect. Oh, I'm okay. They didn't come today. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I got another gallon again. Oh, I survived. Let me tell you something. God wants to bring us way beyond that to a, to a newfound victory where I don't know where it is. I'm still getting there. I'm more than a conqueror. Woo! I'm out there beyond victory, man. <laughs> 